Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And we have a returning guest today um, who first appeared in August 2021, which was episode uh, 161, so just over six months ago. Carl Hardy is the CEO of Cloudbreak Discovery, um, a junior exploration development company. He partners with explorers and developers to advance their assets um, and who have a focus at the moment on battery and base metal projects. Um, they own equity positions and royalties in a variety of uh, different projects, uh, projects across multiple jurisdictions, primarily in the Americas and Africa. Um, Carl has a background in finance and executive management and has a number of directorships or has had a number of directorships within the resources sector. Um, and he's going to give us an update um, on what he's been doing with Cloudbreak um, and what they've uh, achieved over the, the last six months and, and what's going to be happening for the rest of this year. So, that's welcome, uh, Kyla, to the podcast. Hey, then, Kyla. I'm doing great. Uh, great to be Rob back, Rob, and uh, appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, and obviously you're you're in London at the moment. Um, I think when we last spoke, you were in Canada. Obviously, you're here for here for meetings, um, and you were just moaning about the um, the gridlock and the tube strikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's making everything pretty interesting. I'll uh, I'll admit that, but it's uh, it's nice to be back in London. I uh, I absolutely love it here, regardless of the gridlock and the tube yeah. strikes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um I just wanted to give us a brief overview about yourself for those that didn't ha- or didn't haven't listened to the, the previous episode and I do encourage people to to go back to episode 161. Um, which was in August 2021 to listen, obviously, to the first part of, of this podcast or the first part of us um, speaking. Um, so I just wondered if you can uh, just give us a brief overview of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I've, uh, I've been in the natural resource sector my entire life, uh, from logging to oil and gas and to mining, um, primarily on the operations side for, uh, for most of that period as a diamond driller, worked oil rigs, uh, worked in the logging industry as an engineering um, uh, assistant, and uh, sort of uh, accidentally uh, moved over to the finance side and started, started found, I founded a couple of uh, exploration management firms, started helping raise money, and uh, ended up um, building a, uh, an advisory firm over a period of time, which uh, you know, really grew our presence in the capital markets. And uh, that was, I guess, in started that in mid 2015. And here we are today, uh, moving all the pieces down the uh, down the piste, if you will, and having Cloudbreak as our uh, as our key uh, key holding moving forward. Yep. And again, one of you just give us a, a brief overview of Cloudbreak. Again, you would have probably uh, gave us more detail in the previous episode. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Cloudbreak Discovery, it's a project generator for the natural resource sectors. So we basically, uh, we've married a, a good corporate team and a great um, a technical team. And we go out and uh, choose jurisdictions and commodities and acquire uh, early stage to mid stage, usually pre-resource uh, assets, either through staking or through partnership with uh, other prospectors and juniors. 
move them forward until a point where uh, usually the first or second exploration phases, if you will, and uh, and then bring a partner in to uh, to advance them. And in exchange for that, we get cash and uh, milestone payments, uh, royalties, and then usually significant equity positions uh, in those partners moving forward. Um. So, what um have the have your projects developed since we last spoke? Um. Like I said, probably about just over six months ago. Yeah, it's uh, it, we had a very active year last year, both internally and um, externally with our uh, our partners moving those projects forward. Norseman Silver, as an example, moved the uh, the Silver Vista, the Silver Switchback, and the Caribou projects forward last year. Uh, they ended up with some pretty significant grab samples and some really interesting uh, IP on the Caribou project in particular, showing two uh, two pretty uh, interesting systems, which will be followed up by drilling this year. Uh, I'll, I'll note that uh, of 145 samples uh, taken over the strike of the uh, of the uh, two uh, defined areas. Over thirty uh, percent of those had one percent plus copper in them, which uh, we were really excited about. That's uh, that's a good start, if you, if you ask me. And uh, they uh, they continue to outline uh, a large geochem anomaly on the silver switchback, uh, setting that up for drilling for uh, for this year as well. And uh, they did drill the silver Vista project, which, uh, for my uh, for my recollection, they they came up with some interesting sniffs and. Uh, are starting to uh, to vector in for their next uh, next drill program and uh, hopefully expand that mineralization that they've uh, gotten into. Um, with that, uh, we uh, I believe we talked about last time we formed a strategic alliance with Allianza Minerals and that's uh, bearing fruit for us and them. Two projects in the United States, one in Colorado, or sorry, both in Colorado uh, on. Uh, on the Utah border and to the north and the state line project, as well as the Klondike project. So Klondike, we executed our first phase exploration program on that, uh, mapping, sampling, prospecting, and ended up with over six kilometers of uh, mineralized uh, structure, uh, samples up to 6.23% uh, copper, which that was pretty exciting for us. And our target there is a structurally controlled um, sediment-hosted uh, copper uh, exploration target. And uh, State Line is a large regional um, uh, play that we're looking at uh, along the Lisbon Valley anticline. Um, and we're about seven or eight kilometers southwest of the Lisbon Valley mine on the Colorado side of that of the border there. And we're looking at a large anticline uh, that continues for another several kilometers down to the southeast. And uh, both of those now are being advanced by um, Allied Copper Corp. And uh, we're expecting a drill program sometime uh, early to mid second quarter on those to uh, to see them uh, moving forward. And, you know, we've got our fingers crossed there, it's a, but it's a, it's a good start. And other than that, um, Temas Resources, they're advancing the uh, LaBlache project through PEA right now and metallurgy still. Uh, there were some holdups there on the permitting, but that's been solved and uh, we should see the uh, the drills on the ground there this year. And um, outside of that, the Northwest portfolio, which I believe we had just staked last time we spoke, uh, three of the projects there are uh, now in partner hands uh, with uh, a believe it's about 300,000 plus of uh, exploration expenditure uh, for, for that area this year. So 
as you see, it's, uh, it's been a pretty busy uh, six months and uh, the, the team is, uh, I feel, just getting going. It's, um, we are actively looking in West Africa right now, um, base metals, bulks and uh, precious metals. It's, uh, it's, it's a key project generation area for us. Um, specifically the uh, the greenstone belts uh, down along the uh, the coastal uh, countries there to the uh, to the west and the uh, and the south and uh, our our lithium initiatives continue to move forward in the United States we're particularly focused on brines there and uh, we should have some uh, some some interesting news to talk about in the coming months here it's uh, it, it's been a endeavor if you will putting it all together but it's uh, 18 months of you know, working through the geology and the engineering is uh, showing us uh, a pretty large system that we're uh, we're excited about with uh, significant uh, data points across the uh, the whole structure. So, I think really uh, West Africa and our lithium initiatives for the uh, coming twelve months are really going to be the value drivers, if you will. Um, and and I mean, the team is it, we we have a small team, but uh, I'd say a highly effective one. And they're uh, they're you know looks looks calm on the surface, but their uh, their little legs are are moving pretty hard underneath the water. <laughs> yeah, you certainly obviously packed a lot lot in in those last obviously in the last six months since we since we last spoke. Um, and obviously, yeah, I take it it's obviously down to your people, down to your systems, um, and just pushing through any challenges that you that you've obviously come up against um moving forward what sort of exploration programs have you sort of got planned for the rest of the year absolutely yeah so part of the northwest portfolio consists of the um northern treasure east and the northern treasure west they uh they sit adjacent to another canadian junior uh just north of the golden triangle in northwestern british columbia um called brixton metals brixton's had some great discoveries on their projects here and uh, a really nice looking resource come out last year we uh we we look smart because we staked that ground right before they came out with it and um it's we're happy to have that ground now because it's uh, a lot of what they've been doing is is really on trend with uh with the new ground that we've staked and underexplored ground so we are going to execute a uh, most likely an airborne survey uh, as well as followed up by mapping and prospecting on the ground there and get to get that project to a uh, either a joint venture or a uh, an option agreement ready uh, ready state for uh, someone who's looking for a key asset outside of that uh, we anticipate staking probably two more projects in uh, the western United States focused on copper with our joint venture partner and there'll be uh, ground programs going on uh, on those ones. There are a few other bits and pieces coming together, though, that we we think are going to really highlight um, what we're working on and, uh, you know, the project generator model in general and just really tying in, you know, the royalty piece around uh, around how project generators work and really being able to grow that. And um, I, I can't wait to talk to you about the specifics, but we're going to have to wait till, uh, till a future date for, for those ones there. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there sort of any projects in your current portfolio, like in particular, that sort of really excites you and obviously you want to share with us uh, that information? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the Northern Treasure uh, is one we're really excited about and thus probably spending more on it than we would typically a... Uh, 
um, an earlier stage exploration project. It, it is quite remote, but uh, we think that the chance of discovery is is real there. I think those are uh, those are going to continue to move forward. Um, now, we keep talking about uh, lithium and the <coughs> excuse me and the battery metals and that side of stuff. Our, our initiatives on, on that lithium uh, space, it, uh, those, those are really, I think, driving the, gonna be driving the value for the next, uh, next 12 months, especially looking at brines, continental United States. It's, um, it's, a key, uh, it's a key metric for the US government or a key, a key um, commodity for the US government to have lithium production in country and standard lithium, you know, what we modeled a lot of our um, work off of uh, off of the previous work that they've done and pioneering in that uh, brine space in the United States. Um, we think uh, we think we can push towards similar ideas to what they've uh, they've put together and, you know, the uh, advanced project that they have in Arkansas now. So it's um, I'd love to say this is the exact project we're focusing on. This is this is the one, but you know, it's um, all of the pieces are lining up for those uh, that lithium initiative, and um, and uh, we'll end up probably in the twelve project range on that uh, once it's all said and done, and the uh, and the acquisitions are finalized. So, uh, outside of that, you know, uh, right back to the uh, right back to the Klondike. Um, I think that there's a great chance of, uh, of, of, a, of a significant drill intercept on, on that project, especially with the work we've done beforehand at Stateline. I mean, that one is just, uh, it's such a large regional play that it's going to take some time to, to really drill into it and really figure out the, uh, the lay of the land. But we, we ended up acquiring a lot of data, uh, you know, the, the proverbial banker's box in the, uh, in the geologist's basement that we all uh, love to find. It's a little treasure trove, if you will. And uh, it's, uh, it, it, as you probably know, um, uh, old exploration data is, is publicly available in Canada, whereas in the United States, it really isn't. It's, uh, you, you have to go and find the people that actually did the work or the companies that did the work and acquire it off them. And we've managed to do that with, uh, with these projects. So we're, um, we're pretty keen to, uh, to, to dig further into that and outline what, uh, what we think we've got there. So you further diversed your commodity exposure um... Obviously, you've been in, uh, involved in base metals, but you um, you moved obviously into battery metals as well. And obviously, you mentioned lithium. Just wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about um, obviously going into the battery metals. Why you decided that? Um, so obviously, complement your po- portfolio, not just have base metals, but also have battery metals. Yeah, I think that's 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 a really interesting question, and and honestly, quite a complex answer to be uh, to be honest with you, but. We've we've come up with a bit of a thesis and you know a bit of a narrative that uh, that we think uh, holds water and you know we we hope others do as well. Um, so along the base metal side and why battery metals kind of bringing them in on top, I uh, you know the the piece that of a of a battery that nobody talks about is the other half, which is uh, nickel. Okay, so uh, we, we we like the nickel sector, we like the base metal sector. That's part of it. But you also need the lithium piece of it too, right? And so there, there's there's those two components. Um, and when I say, you know, I think battery metals might be the um, the wrong moniker for it. I believe, you know, more of a 
you know, new economy or electrification metals might be a better uh, term for it, but battery metals just sounds good. Let's face it. It's just way easier. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, as it sits today, the, as with, with the amount of material we have on planet earth. And so actually let me take one step back. Oil, gas is a store of energy, right? Bunch of, bunch of little things they uh, they they landed on the ground, got covered in mud, got compressed, made oil, and now the energy, their potential energy from those is, is sitting there. The same in, in our in our mind, and I really try and break this down because I'm a pretty simple person. At the end of the day, is okay. We've got a bunch of renewable power now. How do we store that renewable power? And okay, well, you know, same as same as oil, we need some place to store that energy. So that energy stored in the oil. Okay, let's store the energy in batteries or hydrogen or whatever the case may be. With that said, um, there's not enough metals in that battery sector, if you will, or that advanced metals sector produced today in order to meet these, um, in, re in reality, unrealistic uh, expectations that we're going to be, you know, whatever, carbon neutral by 2030. I, you know, I, I think we'd all go bankrupt if that was the case. <laughs> um, it's a nice concept, but uh, let's, let's face it, it's not, it's not probably going to happen. I think over the next 30, 40, 50 years, we we start to reduce our expectation or our uh, dependence on hydrocarbons. They're still going to have a place to play. I mean, we, we need plastics. We need, um, you know, northern uh, northern climates still probably need some degree of uh, of diesel or, uh, or gas uh, to, to power the vehicles up there. But over a period of time, we're going to wean ourselves off of those. And that gives us an opportunity to increase production of battery and base metals in order to change that store of energy, what, where we're keeping that energy to use it later on. You know, everyone, it, it, more electricity is used in the evening and the afternoon when people get home from work. And uh, let's face it, solar isn't producing once uh, the sun goes down and the wind doesn't blow all the time and, and all this. So that's the reason that whole concept of a transition from a more hydrobit carbon based economy over to a more um, renewables based, um, I shouldn't say economy, um, elect, uh, power production or power uh, provision for the for the population is why we think that there's a really good opportunity in those battery and base metals. So that's why we're pushing into them. And I, I, I mentioned, you know, at the start of this question or start of this answer, um, I think that it might be the wrong moniker. You know, things like bauxite for the which you need for the production of a, or is aluminum. At the end of the day, is in order to have batteries in our cars that uh, last longer and be able to propel them further, you need to ultimately reduce the the weight of those cars. And one of the easiest ways to do that is in your chassis and building that out of aluminum and your you know your components out of aluminum and other plastics and that. And so that's why we really like those bulks, uh, specifically bauxite, for that reason, because uh, the auto manufacturers, specifically the European auto manufacturers, are making a big push, not just towards bauxite, but towards ethically sourced and mined bauxite as well, which, you know, we, we were absolute supporters of doing it right and, uh, and doing it once rather than going back and cleaning up a mess later on, which, you know, unfortunately we uh our industry gets painted with that brush and uh, i think it's it's up to this next generation of uh of, of explorers and miners in order to uh to to to, to rectify that uh, that perception of us yeah obviously you mentioned lithium um is there other battery metals or electrification metals 
that you may sort of focus on as well, apart from lithium? Is it, it, have you got a sort of strategy that you're looking at looking or particularly focusing on certain battery or electrification metals? Or is it sometimes as deals come to you or you discover deals? Um, I think both. Uh, you know, we, we, we stake projects for their geological potential. Um, unfortunately, we, we can't uh, wave the magic wand and, tell, and, and know what's there. Uh, so it's sort of a, as it comes to us, uh, sort of basis. At the same time, um, along the electrification and uh, battery metal side of stuff, copper is a major component. It's, you know, copper, you, you can't get by without it. And uh, we're making a very concerted effort to find more copper. Um, that's one of the reasons we have our uh, alliance with Alianza in the United States is because we uh, we believe that the area is um, has been underexplored for the last uh, uh, decade or so. People have sort of spent a lot of time going into South America, into various regions of Africa, you know, sort of forgetting um, forgetting the backyard, if you will. There's been some exploration. There's been some good work, but it really hasn't. There hasn't been a real concerted effort outside of Nevada, I would say, probably, um, and maybe Arizona. So it's we like we like copper. Um, my uh, my COO Rory Lulu and I um, we uh, we started our careers exploring for nickel and uh, love exploring for nickel, and uh, we're excited to be uh, starting to explore uh, a few nickel projects again. We're, we're, uh, we're putting them together right now, and uh, it, specifically nickel sulfides, it, plenty of nickel laterites around the world, but um, we've, we, we've, uh, we've got a, a particular love for the nickel sulfides, and some may call us insane, but it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And uh, when you find them, they, they're, they're really interesting deposits, right? And there's uh, really good potential there. Um, obviously, you've previously focused on North America. Um, and obviously, you have mentioned about South Africa. Uh, sorry, South, uh, sorry, West Africa. Um, Southwest, East, <laughs> North. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wonder if you could just tell us a little bit more about what you're looking to do in Africa and what I suppose what you have been doing and what you're looking to do uh, moving forward within the region. Absolutely, yeah. So through our uh, um, th through our um, finance and exploration efforts throughout the years, uh, uh, I guess I, I personally fell in love with West Africa when I was a diamond driller years ago, and absolutely just kept wanting to go back and do more work there. I just, you know, worked, worked through Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire and um, some, up, some up in Senegal and just found it to be a really, uh, really interesting place for one, but also uh, heavily endowed with mineral uh, potential that's completely underexplored. Uh, and from a North American perspective, I don't think we really understand the African story very well and what, what the potential is there. So it's, it's not talked about in, in uh, you know, junior companies very often. But one of the reasons we listed in London was to um, be speaking with investors that really understand that African potential of, along the um, mineral exploration and development lines. And so what we're, we're really, uh, we're, we're making a, big push into Cote d'Ivoire in particular right now, um, looking for local partners. We've got a, a set of local partners uh, there currently that we're, uh, we're uh, acquiring projects with and uh, tying them together and doing the early stage uh, components of that. But 
we've taken a view that uh you know all the way from guinea all the way down the coast there into into ghana there's significant potential and um you know it's never it's never the right time to enter or it's never the ideal time to enter it's it's you know you need to enter when you're ready to enter and i think we're ready to enter that that general market right now um generally quite stable throughout the region we're finding out you know it, outside of guinea perhaps i think the you know i'm i'm not going to get into a political commentary on the whole thing but you know guinea's gone through a revolution here uh recently uh or a coup and uh, we'll see how that starts to play out but with guinea you know you've got you've got some uh very prolific um uh, financiers working in the area, specifically in iron ore right now, uh, trying to build a mine, build a large railway to the south. We see Guinea as an interesting opportunity, specifically in bauxite. Uh, we really like the bauxite potential. Honestly, it's the best bauxite in the world uh, throughout that region there. And um, I th the, the governments are are pushing for to bring in junior and mid-sized companies in order to help develop these projects now. And we we want to be part of that whole process. We've previously spent years uh, looking through the region, uh, getting close on a couple of projects, not quite getting there. And you know, it's one of those things that you keep reaching for and, and just kind of slipping through your fingers. Uh, a lot of historic data. That's the other thing that we really like about it. Base metals, bulks, um, the gold. Gold in particular is in Cote d'Ivoire for us right now. Looking at Ghana a little bit, but. The amount of historic information uh, from geological surveys for, uh, to World Bank surveys to um, other juniors that have uh, come into the region and tried tried to do something and weren't able to execute necessarily or took it to a point and then market fell apart. Um, we we thrive on data. Every time that we see a, a data rich environment, we want to we want to at least have a look at it and. Uh, see what the opportunity really is and see if there's projects that are open for acquisition or staking or they're held by local partners that we can get involved with. So it's a, it's a diverse strategy down there right now. Um, but, you know, very specific, specifically Cote d'Ivoire, gold, some base metal potential we, we feel, and uh, Guinea on the, on the bauxite side of stuff we think is a really, uh, really good push right now but are, are continuing to monitor the situation as far as the uh, new uh, government goes there. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned that you were a driller, which I, I, I didn't know. Um, so my question is how, obviously, how has been being a driller, obviously in your early days of your career, how has that helped you through your career to where you are today? Because obviously, I, I, if I've ever come across drillers, they tend to be drillers for life, and then and, and that's what they that's what they do. But you've obviously made that transition from being a driller to now um, managing and owning projects, and and obviously being a, um, a CEO of a, of a mining company. Um, how, how has that process been for you? And I suppose what what skills have you learned from being a driller to but that's helped you and enabled to you to sort of be um, successful in what you're doing now. Absolutely. Um, so uh, you're correct. Once you're a driller, you're always a driller pretty much. So I, I, I'm a recovering driller still, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, um, it really shaped my view on the, on the industry early on um, learnt resilience. You know, it's drilling's not necessarily hard work. 
it's the it's the environment you're in it's the it's the um it's the weather it's the uh, you know being in the hot being in the extreme cold being you know not not having the niceties of um of uh you know being in in a camp or in town or or all that and it, i think it taught taught me personally resilience it taught me um a component of the business that a you know a a financier or promoter wouldn't necessarily understand at the end of the day taught me operations uh that was a big one for us and after being a driller i was you know i built uh, two serve exploration service firms and it took a lot of the a lot of the um experience that i got from seeing how others did it and uh, and being you know a, a contractor to those uh, to those exploration management firms and putting and taking that and putting it together and understanding okay well this is what we can do better this is what this is what they did really well we'll take part of that and just over that period of time really took the view that um, every every person on an exploration site has has a very specific uh, function and use right so it's uh, you know, whether you're a driller or whether you're a geologist or a geophysicist or a core logger, everyone has a piece in the ecosystem in order to make it function. And as soon as you don't have one of those pieces that's functioning, it uh, the whole system breaks down. And it, it, it sounds a little silly that it's, you know, one person can make the whole system break down. But if you've ever been in a camp for a long time with the same people, you'll, uh, you, you'll appreciate that. Um, and so getting that resilience and being able to uh, talk numbers and understand what real realistic production rates are as far as uh, what a, what a person can do in a day and certain rock types and then taking that and and being able to look at a project and say okay well this is how much it's going to cost to drill it's really it, it, it I think it puts uh, puts not only myself but but our team in a bit of a better position that we can evaluate um, contractors and projects from not only a corporate side, not only a tech, technical side, but also from a, uh, a logistics and operational side as well. And it, um, it honestly, it's, I, I, I don't know really how to put it at the end of the day, but it's, uh, it's, it, it shaped how, uh, how I am as a person. And uh, um, really, it, it got me loving the industry. And I still work with the same geologists and contractors today that I've worked with on my first program, believe it or not. <laughs> Yeah, but that just that just shows you no matter what position you are within a within a mine, if you want to reach the top, you can. And Absolutely. it's just acquiring new skills and I suppose un, understanding what you're going to be going into and like you said, the resilience that you had as a person um, to overcome those challenges and and have a have a goal and a destiny to to reach that. So um, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's you know, it's um, it, it, it you're you're right. It's it, it, if you want to uh, if you want to start at the bottom, there's always an opportunity as long as you're willing to learn and you know you don't think you know everything to uh, to to move up and up and up and up and up and eventually own it. I I fully believe that, and anybody can uh, not anybody, but you know the opportunity is there for anybody to mm. to to attempt to do so. Yeah. So as a conclusion, um, what's the remainder of the, this year look like? Remainder of this year, uh, get through these royal or these uh, not excuse me not the royalty acquisitions, but get through the um, uh, lithium acquisitions. Partner several of those projects out. Uh, hopefully, see our first phase exploration programs and development programs on those. Uh, we will probably 
be bringing on a new director or two in the uh, in the coming months here in order to round out our presence in the UK. Um, we're, we're currently a very North American uh, based company, and we're we're trying to move more over to uh, to UK to, in order to make sure that we um, are able to uh, address shareholders uh, on a regular basis. And uh, I would say that uh, we'll see our first couple of acquisitions in uh, in Africa, and hopefully a couple of exploration programs. It's uh, it's going to be a busy year, and uh, we're we're right now we're just building up the uh, the rest of the plan for uh, for the back half of the year. We've got a pretty well defined first uh, first well, it's all the first quarter is almost over. So going into the second quarter, we've got a pretty well defined second quarter so far. <laughs> Yeah, well, if anything's like the last six months, I'm sure you're going to be busy for the next six months. So, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Carl, really appreciate your time, and obviously keep keep up the good work. Um, hopefully, you can come on later this year, um, whenever yeah. later this year, and give us an update once you've um, got some more, um, more maybe more drill results or more deals that you're looking at that you can obviously um, give more information on. So, yeah, more more than welcome to come back on. Absolutely. Rob, really appreciate your time. And I look forward to coming back on later this year when we've uh, hopefully got some exciting news off of uh, some some programs on the projects. Yeah, definitely. And if our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions, how can they go about doing that? And it, again, if you across any social media platforms that people can reach out to you. Absolutely. Uh, Cloudbreak Discovery uh, on Twitter. And uh, you can sign up for our newsletter at our website, www.cloudbreakdiscovery.com. And uh, that'll keep everyone up to date. Additionally, our uh, investor relation contacts are on the website as well. Yeah, no worries. Um, wish, you, wish you well in your last few days stay in London. Hopefully the, uh, hopefully the uh, manic outside uh, calms down a little bit so you can get around the city um but no great great talking to you and those that are listening um appreciate your continued support as i always uh, as i always say um and appreciate if you can share this episode amongst people that you know in the industry uh, whether you're in canada whether you're in the uk whether you're in australia wherever you are uh, this podcast obviously goes out to i think over 170 over 170 countries uh, around the world so keep keep um, passing this um, podcast on to this episode on and the podcast to others in the industry so they have the benefit of listening listening and educating themselves um, within the obviously within the industry so appreciate your continued support and until next time happy mining thank you for listening remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review until next time happy mining helping each other to improve the mining industry.